is the most dangerous virus a respiratory one, or is there something even more deadly? Welcome to the Kennedy Report. I'm Kennedy Hall. Well, we're in about the 10th month of two weeks to slow the spread. At this moment, we're living through continual lockdowns. We've seen chaos go across North America and most of the Western world. And it seems as if the errors of Russia are at a climax. We've been doing this communism series, and I thought, let's look at our archives on the Fatima Center website and on our YouTube, because we have a wealth of interviews with influential figures who have talked about communism in the past. So I found one between John Venari and Mikhail Semen, who is a contemporary figure in the Czech Republic. And he lived under communism in the late 80s, and he talks about it very well and illuminates what's going on in the world. So I thought, let's look at his interview with the late, great John Venari, and then we can see if the things that he talks about with living under communism, if those things apply to today. So let's take a look at our first clip and see what he has to say. Means of production. Correct, yeah. Well, everything, the, the whole public life as such just disappeared. There was nothing, there was no freedom left for the public sphere. The government, the state took control of everything. I mean, the, the sphere for privacy was limited really just to the everyday dealings typical for a family life, you know, waking up and getting ready to go to the work and then going back and watching television. That, that was the ordinary life of people under communism. They couldn't express any of their views or their opinions in public other than just those that were the party line, yes. precisely. I, my memories from, let's say, my teenage years was that uh, the life under communism was completely shallow. There was a, a total emptiness, a dumbness, hypocrisy. As, as I said, the public sphere didn't exist. There was a, a wall of separation between private life and public life, which had a damaging impact on, on most of the people living there because there were certain things that you, you know, people would mm -hmm. say to each other if they trusted each other in private, but they would never say it in public because they were afraid to lose the job or could be even imprisoned if it was considered to be you know, subversive mm -hmm. of the regime mm -hmm. and so forth. So uh, this really kept many people in a kind of schizophrenic mentality, which obviously for the integrity of the human person is very unhealthy. So what about the type of education? Wow, it's, it's as if he's talking about what we're going through right now. He talks about public life disappearing. Well, what can you do in public right now in some places? Basically nothing. There was the private sphere under communism and the public sphere. In the private sphere, you could have your sort of personal ideas, but you dare not bring those things into the public. And at this point, you can't even gather, so you couldn't bring them there anyway. He even talks about in this weird dichotomy that the privacy ex itself disappears. You can have privacy in trivial matters, but you can't hold to private opinions that go against the dictates of the state because if you get found out by a snitch, well, that's a problem. You can't express your dissenting views in public. That's exactly what we're going through right now. Even doctors are losing their medical licenses if they dissent against a medical decision as a medical professional. This is communism 101. He speaks about how life was shallow for people under communism. And he actually says, you know, people would go home and they basically would have their work and then they would go home and they just kind of watch TV or listen to the radio. Well, we've transitioned past just TV, but this motif 
of staring at screens seems to be the same thing now, and it's probably accelerated. You know, we do joke about it a little bit, but when this whole lockdown first started, people joked about the fact that they'd go home and they'd watch Netflix and they'd sort of watch every single show on there, and that's kind of funny and everything, but it's not really that funny if you think about it. And one other thing that he said in this clip that struck me is he talked about the hypocrisy required to live under these communist regimes. Well, if you've ever read the book 1984, you could also call this sort of thing doublethink. Here in Canada, we have politicians who are telling us to not visit grandma in the same city, not you know, go to a gathering of more than five people, and if you do, make sure you sit six feet apart because you're all going to die otherwise. But these same politicians will pack themselves like sardines on crowded planes with strangers at crowded airports. They'll go south to some beautiful Caribbean destination that just conveniently has no restrictions. And they'll spend their time there half-naked gallivanting about a pool, getting drunk and doing whatever they do amongst a bunch of strangers. No one's wearing a mask. No one's social distancing. And then they get back on the plane and they come home and they put back on their sort of hypocritical communism uniform and make sure that they're really following all the measures. Hypocrisy is the air that we breathe. Now, he has more to say, so let's see what he has to say about how the education system is used as a way to further the agenda of communism. And for a reason, because the school became the most efficient tool for the communists to separate the children from the authority of their parents. Mm -hmm. And that was their main aim, definitely not to educate Uh, but to indoctrinize the children with uh, the communist ideology. Such as? Wow. How can you deny that we have the exact same tactics in our society right now? He says the school became the most efficient tool to separate the authority of parents from their children. Now, we've known this for a long time. Listen, there are good schools and there are good teachers, and there's nothing wrong with that. Ed education is a wonderful thing, but it can't be denied that the publicly funded schools are public instruments, and if your public instruments being run by your government are nefarious, then you know, you're going to get those problems in your schools. Recently, there was a conference put on by the Center for Family and Human Rights. It is run by Catholics, but it's a non-denominational sort of conservative thing for family rights internationally. And I was watching a clip of it, and one thing that really cut me to the heart is they talked specifically about the stipulations for kids right now in schools. And they said that the methods of, let's call them face coverings, right? We don't want to, you know, poke the bear. But the face coverings are a method that inculcate in children a sense of fear, both of their environment and of not complying with the state. I spoke with a mother whose child has a legitimate medical exemption. I mean, the kid can wear the face covering, but it is quite difficult and unnerving due to certain sensory problems. In any case... This mother was told by the administration, who were just doing their job, but okay, was told by the administration that if the child was to go to school without the face covering, they would have the exemption, but they would have to sit at the back of the classroom. They wouldn't be able to stand up and leave their desk while other children were in the classroom. And they wouldn't be able to walk through the hallways at the same time as the other kids. So they'd actually have to come in separately from the entrance time. And at lunchtime, They could only get up and leave the classroom to recreate after all the kids had done so, and then they couldn't recreate while they were outside. If that doesn't count as a form of child abuse, I don't know what does. It is astonishing. 
Now, one of the things that Mikhail Semen mentions as well is that the schools are a form of indoctrinating. Now, again, communists are inspired by the father of lies, so everything they say is a reverse. When we think of indoctrinating, we think of the church, but it's actually the opposite. You see, there's a difference between indoctrinating and educating. To indoctrinate someone means that you'll make them believe something and they can't question it. To educate or teach somebody means that you enlighten their mind to saving truth, ultimately through the church. So in a communist society, and in our societies today, I want you to just think for a second. Try to dissent against something like climate change. Try to dissent against a certain, I don't know, pathogen going around right now and see if the powers that be will allow you to think differently. But then look in the church, even as early as the early church fathers, we see these great church fathers who were philosophers, and they're actually entertaining dissenting views from other philosophers at the time, and they're following those ideas to the logical conclusion as a way of showing that the truth comes through the church. St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, some seven, 800 years ago, he actually talks about whether God exists or not and raises that question, and the church totally permits that because it's a way of showing the truth. It's not indoctrination we get through the church. It's education, but it's indoctrination that we get through the state. Mr. Semin goes on from here after he's talked about education and he explains what industry and commerce looked like under communism. Let's take a look at this next clip. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So um, now what about um, you know, industry and commerce under, right. under uh, communism? Again, what, you know, everything what? nationalized, oh, all the agriculture. So all the you know, small farmers... Families in the countryside that uh, they, they just had to give it uh, to the government. Uh, those who opposed or put some obstacles or the, the, the property, uh, they were expropriated, and may, many of them uh, were put were imprisoned uh, for their opposition. Many of them died. Those usually those without faith. There were many people who lost everything and committed suicide. Mm especially in the 50s, speaking now, about Czechoslovakia. Well, um, wow. He's talking about life in the Eastern Bloc in the 1980s. And it sounds like life in Canada and the USA and Western Europe in 2021. I don't know why I'm shocked by this anymore, but I guess we still believe in the goodness of the human person. And when these things happen, it's just astonishing. Everything under communism with regards to commerce is taken over by the government. And not just commerce, but industry as well. It was explicit for them... And it is becoming more and more explicit for us. All of our businesses, if you do own a small business, you might not be allowed to operate. And if you do, you've got crippling financial restrictions. People are losing everything and going into deep financial and mental and spiritual depression because of their loss of livelihood. That has been forced by the state for no reason at all, really. Suicides are on the rise as a result of this, which is apparently a public health crisis. And they're doing things to make people kill themselves. Figure that out. People are being thrown in jail for opening their restaurants. It happened here in Ontario. People are being thrown in jail for opening their restaurants when these places aren't even a place of any notable transmission whatsoever. Again, apparently this is all about your health, but we have a politician in Quebec who is putting further restrictions, including curfew, and one of those restrictions is they're actually going to dictate 
to the manufacturers and factories what they're allowed to manufacture in their factories while they're at work. So not only is it that you can only go to the store to buy essential things, essential things, but while you're at work, you can only make those things which the czar of the province, which was formerly La Belle Provence, but is now, well, it's not that. And they're telling you what you can make while you're at work. This is all to slow the spread of sanity at this point, I think. Anyway, now, the toll on the human spirit is immense under a communist regime. And this clip that we're going to watch now, uh, in this clip, Michael Semen explains how they further break down the human spirit. Let's take a look. You know, living a celibate life, they really take care just about themselves. Mm-hmm. But the regime, you know, broke many fathers because they, they were they thinking threaten about the threatening the children, yes. you know, the, your, your wife or your so, relatives. So you're describing a system then where you're living under constant a kind of surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no means of your own production. You're just a serf mm-hmm. for the state. You are afraid of just being whisked away to jail for the most flimsiest of reasons. And you have no recourse to any sort of jury or justice. Or, so what does this do then li- to the population at large? Mm-hmm. What is the general sentiment of the country, of all the people living under that type of oppression? Right. Well, the general sentiment or the majority would just become, to a certain extent, cynical. Mm-hmm. They would lose any sense of higher meaning of life. I'm talking about the majority, not about everyone. Sure. Yeah. On the other hand, you would find, because of this oppression, because of the persecution, a growth among those who would fight back. And this would be usually religiously motivated. Now, Again, it sounds like a prophet. I'm sure we've all seen people beaten down by these lockdowns and the lockdowns that do continue. And unfortunately, we've probably seen people that we never would have expected, but this really is a hard thing to go through. But on the flip side, he mentions that it's also true that because of this oppression, certain people wake up. This is why we talked about Archbishop Vigano's letter interview with Steve Bannon about the Great Awakening. The pressure that is being put on people right now is causing some of them to wake up. So let's pray for more of that, because that is a happy development. Let's hope that we have more. Now, another hallmark of communist rule is how the churches are treated. Now, we spoke about generally in our other communism videos about how they go after the general ideas of religion, but... How does this actually work specifically, and is there a link to what's going on right now? Let's take a look. uh, They acted on the principle that uh, they had to accept a certain certificate from the government, that they are allowed to... A license. A license, (laughs) yeah, a priestly license. And they were monitored on a regular basis. They had to send reports. What are they doing, and how many people are going to the church, and, and, and so forth. Well, um, my goodness, I can't believe it. He's talking about our time right now, but it might even be worse. He talks about a priestly license. Now, in that time, they were saying specifically the government would basically say who could have a church or not, and it doesn't matter how they do that. They're doing that now. And he talks about them being monitored, and he talks about the government wanted to know 
how many people went to Mass so they could have a count. Right now, churches can't even open without a license from the health board. They can't even open without a license to operate from the state. I mean, sure, the government doesn't technically run the seminary, but they may as well. I mean, if you get out of seminary and you go to your church and they say, well, you can't open unless the government gives you license to anyway, what's the difference? It's all control. Now, I wonder, as far as monitoring goes, do you think that they're just benevolently telling people to stream their masses online because they just love the citizens so much? No. They're doing this so they can monitor what these pesky Christians are saying in their churches. And I guarantee you, priests who said certain things in sermons about what's going on are going to be reprimanded by the government. And in fact, I've heard of it happening in other provinces. Churches in most places right now, well, many places, they're actually required to have their... And I'm not blaming the churches for this, because like we're all living under this and we're trying to navigate, so I'm just saying this is a reality. But there are churches that are requiring their people to register with their name and the names of even their family so that they can go to Mass. And they have to have a certain number. And the reason for this is because the health board has said if you have a certain amount of people or whatever, you can't operate. So at any moment, the health board could say, show us that you're following the dictates or we'll shut you down. And what do they have to hand over? A list with all the names and the numbers of people who are going to Mass. This is more evil, in my opinion, on an intellectual or psychological level. This is more evil than what the explicit communists did. Because at least there you knew you were being oppressed. So you could say, well, yeah, the government, they hate us, and we're Christians, so there's going to be that problem, and we'll work around it. But this is, oh, this is all for your health. This has nothing to do with your faith. We're just trying to keep you safe. Yeah, I'll believe it. So, once the communists were in power, and once it was overthrown, were they ever brought to justice? Were they sent away to camps to do penance? Let's take a look. And, and vote for our persecution. <laughs> well, what's interesting, too, is we know that uh, after, um, we'll say uh, it was due to the war, but after Nazism collapsed, uh, there was the Nuremberg trials. Mm -hmm. There were the, these uh, jailers and these government officials yes. who perpetuated these terrors on innocent mm -hmm. people were actually brought to trial and convicted. But in communism, that didn't happen. No. None no, of these didn't. criminals, no. none of these monsters, no. were ever brought to any sort of justice, no. nor was it even talked about. Precisely. From what I recall. Precisely. And the attempts to punish, at least symbolically, were opposed not by the, the population of these countries, but by European Union. Mm and by mainly the left in the Western European countries that became defending publicly the old communist establishment. Um, I tell you, great author Mark Twain, he said, history does not repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Word for word, sounds like the exact same things happening right now. It's from the same satanic poem, if you were. The communists were defended by the left-wing politicians. Wow, shocker. The same left-wing politicians that have a stranglehold on all our main institutions before this communism is set in, they're the same ones who right now who are supporting all the measures of the communists. They're the same politicians who will call you a conspiracy theorist for just thinking with your own mind. This is the same group of people who want to bring you up in front of human rights tribunals for hate speech if you're a Catholic. Don't believe me, look up what's happened. The same people who call us 
selfish for wanting to go to church. These are the same people who call us selfish for wanting to go to church during a supposed health crisis. And it's interesting. You'll see this online. They'll use your religion to say you're being selfish. Oh, Jesus told you to love everybody. Well, Jesus also told us to go and be around the lepers and those who are undesirable. I think we can at least go to church during a bad cold and flu season. Has anyone ever been told by these same types of politicians that communism just hasn't been done right? When everybody says that communism has just not been done right, realize that this person has completely committed to the Marxist ideological framework, even if they don't know it. They have the audacity. Because what they're really saying is they're saying, I know how communism should work. Those crazy guys over in those Russian-speaking countries, they had no idea. But if I did it, it would be just fine. When everybody, anybody says that, just go the other way because it's not worth your time. Do we really think communism ended? Perhaps it just goes by different names now. After all, we do know that Satan does like to take on many different forms. This has been the Kennedy Report. I'm Kennedy Hall. Until next time, God bless.